It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, hope you're doing all right. Today's show, it's a busy one. But first, it's being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912 912- Two six eight two three two eight nine one two two six eight two three two eight. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is taking place October twenty first. It's an HBO event. I'm gonna be there, and you should be there. Visit uh, our website billycboxing.com and click on the fight poster, which you'll see on the right hand side which incidentally will be updated <clears throat> later on uh, uh, today or tomorrow. But uh, it'll get you to the ticket office. Get yourself some tickets. Drop me an email, Billy at TalkinBoxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and let me know uh, where you're going to be. I'll come by and uh, see you. You know. And by the way, I'll have some of these with me because today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Best Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Uh, just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. You want a signed copy? Come on up to me at the Turning Stone on October 21st, and I'll uh, you know, make sure you get one. Or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Now, I got a, I got a special for you. You know why? Because I screwed up. I screwed up. I ordered uh, 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 an extra. It's tough getting old, man, because uh, what happened to me was uh, I placed an order to get more books, and I forgot I placed it, so I placed a duplicate order and got twice as many books. So you're going to benefit. i tell you what. If you go to our website, billycboxing.com, and you live anywhere in the United States, order the book, and uh, I'll send it to you for 20 bucks. That includes the shipping. I got to clean. I got to get some room. I got two boxes of books. So uh, that's only good, by the way, uh, for uh, for this week. So uh, get yourself a copy uh, now. Um, coming up later on the show, Alex Papali uh, will be with us. Uh, he's going to uh, do the Blast from the Past, which was a request from one of you's uh, former multi-division world champion, Julian Jackson, we'll be talking about. Um, also... My man uh, Larry Hazard will be joining us as well. We'll get some thoughts on him. Today's today's topic almost seems like a TMZ show, really. I mean, uh, 
first and foremost, Deontay Wilder, who, you know what, I, I've, I, I like Deontay Wilder. I don't like the fact he pounds his chest and says he's the best heavyweight out there, blah, blah, blah. I do feel that, uh, uh, you know, all these guys he supposedly wants to fight test positive, and we're starting to get some inside scoops about that, like the Alexander Povetkin fight. He truly did not test positive. Um, and now Luis Ortiz, uh, uh, Conti, uh, uh, did a report, uh, outlined everything uh, on the report and uh, thinks it's all bogus. And it starts to fall into play like one of our uh, uh, listeners, an inside man, uh, my man Mitch, uh, who said uh, he felt it was a conspiracy. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder uh, bragging, oh, I'm going to fight this guy. And all of a sudden, every time this man has stepped up to fight somebody, the fight has been canceled and they fill in his normal level of opposition, which is a slug. But to make matters worse, I got some comments from Deontay uh, about that. But to make matters worse, yesterday he says that Mike Tyson basically is a fraud. That this guy never was a uh, was a good champion, which is which is ludicrous, as my Mike Tyson would say, ludicrous. And then to make it even worse, George Foreman calling out Steven Seagal in a no holds barred fight that he wants to have in Las Vegas and put it on a pay per view. What's going on with this world? Joining me right now, my man. From St. Simon's Island, Georgia, uh, Sal, Rocky, Senecola. What the hell is happening? Is, is <laughs> Do we have like, uh, you know, I was saying, uh, where, you know, we got werewolves. And, and they said werewolf. I said their wolf. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> What's going on, man? Well, uh, let me tell you something. The uh, benchmark was established or the barrier was broken with our friend, and you love him to death, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. That set, this, that set the new benchmark, and things are going to happen, including my challenge out to uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey, uh, Mickey Rourke wants to get back in a row. Was that Mickey Rooney? I think Mickey Rourke is looking for an opponent. I'm here, Mick. I'm here. Yo, Mickey, you got to cut me. So, <laughs> it's crazy, Bill. Yeah. Uh, but Deontay Wilder, you know, uh, going over the territory. tone he had to say uh, words, you know, is, is totally, it's ludicrous. I can't believe it. It's just ludicrous. You know, I, I, I think that uh, uh, I, I think that it's crazy. First and foremost, let's, uh, George Foreman uh, did issue uh, uh, a challenge to Steven Seagal. Uh, he said, and I quote, uh, I want a one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, he ch challenging Steven Seagal. He says, come on, one-on-one. -on -one. I'll use boxing. You can use whatever you want hand-to-hand -hand combat, no weapons, he says, uh, and uh, we could broadcast it on pay-per-view. Um, you know, Steven Seagal has not uh, responded to the open challenge. Just to keep you all up to date, uh, George Foreman is 68 years old. Uh, he looks great, by the way. And uh, um, Steven Seagal is 65. Steven Seagal um, recently uh, uh, has become a uh, citizen of Russia. So who, who knows what's going Whoa. on with that. But uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, first, first and foremost, uh, to, to follow up with his comments uh, recently uh, uh, after Luis Ortiz tested positive uh, for a performance-enhancing drug. But like I said, if you haven't seen 
the Victor Conte, uh, which is all over the internet right now, he, he did a, a, a little short video uh, outlining some of the uh, some of the uh, issues with this with this top positive test, which all of a sudden is in the WBC's hands. Um, and I hope the WBC does the right thing. But Deontay Wilder said, uh, "I'm going to put any and you know." Thank God for social media because these guys all have a platform. But he says, and this is Deontay Wilder speaking, he says, I'm going to put it like this. I've called out every top fighter that was, that's been viewed by many of the best in the division. I've always fight whoever's placed in front of me. Many of the so-called best stayed in the uh, light because they knew once they entered a ring with me, uh, I would be at the other end of the dark tunnel. Uh, he says, uh, name another heavyweight to date doing what I'm doing. I'm only knocking these grown-ass men out, but the fashion I'm doing it is the way their body have ab- has abnormal movement on the canvas. Uh, he says, uh, many visit the hospital after seeing me and even smelt the scent of death. He says, do your research, people. Uh, then you'll see who's the best. I end careers. Facts are facts. Numbers don't lie. Uh, you better bring, he says, like a pastor would say, you better bring your Bible and read it now uh, because I could tell you anything you believe. He says, most, pe- most people are afraid of the, to face the truth. Why? Because the truth effing hurts. Many say uh, other fighters' names, uh, but uh, he says, I'm the best. Uh, he says, uh, uh, Deontay Wilder is the best. I'm the most feared man on the planet planet at this moment in time he says uh uh and then a bunch of other rhetoric i don't even want to talk about uh here's 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 the thing and i won't even get i'll get to him cutting up mike tyson in a second but but he, here's facts are facts face the truth all these stupid bullshit things that deontay wilder is saying i'm gonna say this i can't believe it deontay wilder sal may arguably be the worst heavyweight in boxing history based on his record as it stands today. He may very well be the worst. Yes, he's looked uh, impressive knocking out, like he would say, grown-ass men. But name one that's a real fighter. Go ahead, Sal. Name one. You can't. Uh, obviously, you can't. I, I'm sorry. You know, I, so so here, mind. I happen to have his record in front of me. Deontay Wilder. Um, when I look down his record from uh, recent fights, uh, let's go down. Gerald Washington. Did he have that fight with? Uh... Okay, go ahead. Gerald Washington was 18 and 0 with a draw when he stepped in the ring with Deontay Wilder and got stopped. That was Wilder's last fight back in February. Gerald Washington, to that point, had fought no one and was a converted football player. Chris Ariola stepped in the ring uh, July of 2016 and couldn't continue. Chris Ariola, although I do think Chris Ariola was a good fighter at one time, um, by the time he stepped in the ring to face Deontay Wilder, he had already lost to Berman Stavern, and this was a guy that that just doesn't train or anything. Uh, he's a proverbial punching bag. Do we give credit for Deontay Wilder fighting him, who wasn't even in the mix? I don't. The best fighter he fought, in my opinion, was Artur Spitzka, who he fought in January of 2016 and knocked him out in nine. 
Johan Duapaz took him 11 rounds to knock him out. And Duapaz is just a tough guy, not even a talented fighter. Uh, Deontay Wilder looked terrible against him. Eric Molina took nine rounds to, to knock that fat pig out uh, back in 2015. His best win was when he went, well, I think it was a Taurus Spitzka, but his best win uh, on paper was against Berman Stavern, who we all know is over, was, was an overrated fighter. That was his best performance. He beat Jason Gavern, who's the, 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 a disgrace to the sport of Gav, uh, uh, boxing. Malik Scott, who was a fixed fight. Uh, uh, Lakayevich, who was well past his prime, Audley Harrison, who took a dive in one round. I mean, come on. Who's he fought, Sal? We just, I'm looking. Hey, Deontay, facts are facts. Here's your record right here, my man. Who'd you beat? Who'd you beat? Who'd he beat, Sal? You know, I'll tell you. It's a shame, Bill. Because, you know, I, I do like Deontay Wilder. And he is disputedly uh, a top heavyweight. And, in fact, I guess he is a world champion by according to some belts and and uh, sanctioning bodies. However, yes, I do agree. There has been a level of competition that I think uh, has been presented before him that is not of his equal, and he's been able to overcome those foes fairly easily. So, like I said, was it always him believing who he is? Uh, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, the movie you suggest in, in Harder They Fall? Toro. And this is him touting his horn. T- Toro. That's him. That's him. Yeah. Toro. The That's character him. Toro. Yeah. You know, he's Toro. He's Toro the wild bull, but he's not going to. Let me tell you something. He's a good fighter. I give Deontay Wilder. He is a very good fighter. No, he's not. He's a fundamental. No, he's not. He's not a good fighter. I disagree. He's a he's a power puncher, but he's not a good fighter, Sal. Come on. Stop with the BS. He's not a good fighter. You know, like like uh, like uh, Bill Parcells said once. Uh, concerning football, we are what our record suggests. You are what your record is. Now, now he happens to be undefeated, but show me a name on. Uh, hold that thought. I, I, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, I'm gonna tell you what he said about Mike Tyson. Uh, this guy well, is that it, I don't agree with. Uh, hey, well, this wait, is crazy. Well, I'm gonna rip him apart after that. Wait till you hear what he says. We'll be back uh, in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back, you're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Uh, glad to have you with us. And uh, just before we went to break, Sal and I were talking about uh, Deontay Wilder. And Sal, I know you're uh, waiting to hear what he said. So, so here, here's what Wilder says. Uh, Wilder says, uh, basically calling in the uh, into question uh, the standard uh, 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 level of fighters Mike Tyson fought during his whole career. He says, if you go back, I want somebody to answer this question for me. How many Hall of Fame fighters did Mike Tyson actually fight? And don't bring up no mother effing Michael Spinks that came from the light heavyweight to the heavyweight division that was terrified out of his mind. And don't bring up Larry Holmes because we know Larry Holmes was way past his prime. So how many do you have? He says, uh, the only two are Evander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis. Uh, 
And, uh, I, you know, the, 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 the funny thing is, is, you know, it, it's, it's like this, Sal. I, and you correct me if I'm wrong because you've fought and everything else. How can you criticize a guy when you yourself can't back it up? I, who's on his record? I, there's not a fighter. On, Deontay Wilder right now is 38 wins and no losses. And I name one guy on his entire resume, 38 fights, and that is a guy that he beat uh, uh, in 2016 as a Spitzka as a legitimate rated fighter when they fought. I mean, I, if we have to give him credit for beating Berman Stavern, fine. You know, even though I, I don't at this point. But who else on Deontay Wilder's record can he really believe makes him in his mind, the best heavyweight in the world. I, uh, you know, like I said, Bill, he uh, he's fed he's fed a good diet of uh, of um, what they call contenders today. Uh, I think that um, it will be disclosed, and he will have a rude awakening. It may not be his next fight, but it may be coming up around the corner, and. You know, we'll see him when he's humbled and he's down on the ground and he's going to have to pick himself up and be in a real fight. Uh, I think that's when we're going to we're going to see some humility behind his words. Uh, maybe not. No, I don't think so. He'll have an off night. That's what it will be. <laughs> but, but I don't know, Bill. He, he hasn't fought maybe what's available to him, maybe what they presented uh, in front of him. And he has beaten those level that level of competition. But, uh, I mean, if he really wants to get into the, the top and the accolades that he feels he deserves and be recognized the way he wants to be, then he's got to fight everyone that's out there that's a top contender looking to get his title, and uh, including Anthony Joshua, which I think should be his next fight to put up and shut up. Let's see what happens. Yeah, well, according to Deontay Wilder, he calls everybody out, and including Anthony Joshua, who's afraid to fight him. I, you know, here's the thing. I find it uh, kind of funny that he would say, because uh, first of all, Mike Tyson would have destroyed Deontay Wilder. I bet you he destroys him right now. Mike, you know, Mike the, Tyson could probably get in shape and beat him right now. That's I'll tell my, you why. Yeah, I agree. Mike Tyson, go ahead. No, no, I agree. I'm agreeing no. with you. Mike, Mike Tyson, with his compact style and the way he moved, he's explosive. Deontay Wilder wouldn't be able to penetrate that and his hands up. And, Deon and and freaking Mike Tyson would be like a buzzsaw and penetrating a lanky, tall body that uh, Mike Tyson would break in half by banging to the body, bringing the uppercuts to the head and popping them up. Mike Tyson would knock Deontay Wilder out. Well, I, I tell you, the ironic thing that I find even more humorous and, and you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, everybody's, you bad, well, Deontay, man, you're bad. Everybody's scared of you, man. You're bad, you're bad. You know, he believes that. He believes it, right? Um. All he's got to do, and and I, I, I love the computer rankings for, for one reason. Computer rankings take the human element out. Yeah, I'm a Mike Tyson fan, so I'm always going to have him up there. I'm a Sonny Liston fan. I'm always going to have him up there. I can't help it. It's human nature. These are my guys, you know. Um, I, you know I, but Deontay Wilder, you know, when you look at the computer ranking, the computer takes the personal side out, takes the human element out, and they base f fighters, their rankings, on their opponents and who the opponents beat and who the opponents' opponents beat, etc., etc., etc. I find this ironic 
that Deontay Wilder, even though the heavyweight division today, you can make the argument that it's probably one of the weakest divisions ever, Deontay Wilder's not even ranked by the computer at number one. And get this, he's not even ranked by the computer at number two. He's ranked number three by the computer. Of course, Anthony Joshua is number one. I mean, this is a guy that is clearly the best heavyweight on the planet today. And he beat the guy who was the reigning champion for a decade. All right. Um, you know who's number two? Alexander Povetkin. Alexander Povetkin is number two. This was a guy that Deontay Wilder was ready to fight and then mysteriously test positive for performance-enhancing drugs himself. I, listen, I think that Deontay Wilder's team is so adamant about protecting this guy, Sal, that uh, this is the, the level of fighter we're going to see. Just like I predicted that his next opponent was going to be Glowaski, don't be surprised if he's not because I have a feeling that the WBC, despite Victor Conte's findings uh, uh, and proof that, that they were indeed uh, heart medications that he's been taking for years and they have documented proof and that it doesn't even state it on the bottle, so it's a legitimate mistake on Luis Ortiz, I'll bet you that Deontay Wilder's people uh, kind of, you know, convinced the WBC to not let this fight happen. What do you think? That's a heck of a hypothesis and conspiracy theory. What do you think, Bill? I think, uh, hey, you know, anything's possible. That's the wild world of sports. Uh, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe Mike Ty uh, may Maybe George Foreman should uh, go past uh, Steven Seagal and, and come back against Deontay Wilder. Uh, that would be a pay-per-view event, I think. Um, but uh, I'd like to see George humble him with a nice right hand or left hook. Um, I don't know if that would happen, though. But uh, I I'll tell you, Deontay Wilder, like I said, I used to say last year that maybe it's no fault of his own because he's being fed – He's like a milk-fed cattle here, and uh, he, he's, uh, he's, he's in, enjoying his time in the light with the zero in his record. And I think, you know, he, he's got to chew on what he's given in front of him, and whether it's him or whether it's his team protecting him, which we think it is, and that's normally what happens. Uh, they're going to use him as a commodity, and he is protected, and he's going to be – they're going to be riding him as long as they can because when they put him in with a real – solid contender or heavyweight, uh, I think that uh, he's going to have some difficulties. Uh, I think Anthony Joshua would be uh, a great fight. I think they have good styles that would make it a great fight. And Deontay Wilder, I'm going to tell you, could get lucky because I'm not still sold on Deontay, uh, on Anthony Joshua's chin. I think he's got a good chin. I think he came back great from Klitschko being knocked down. But, you know, we got the conditioning element and everything else. It would be a great fight. And I think you'll have a lot of people uh, on both sides of the aisle for that fight. Uh, but uh, we're not going to probably see that fight for another year or two. You're making me laugh. You're making me yeah, laugh. Yeah, I know. Deontay, I know. Deontay I know. Wilder, I listen, Deontay Wilder, you, could, you could try and play devil's Wilder advocate as much as you want, Sal. You could try to play the guy who's going to, you know, try to, uh, you know, cup, go against cup. what I'm saying and all of this and, and not state facts and facts. You could be that guy as much as you want. But let me tell you something. 
Deontay Wilder does not stand a chance with Anthony Joshua, at least the Anthony Joshua that's ready to fight now. The guy that's going to step in the ring with Kubat Pulov, the guy that just beat uh, Klitschko, that Deontay Wilder has no chance against him, even though he's got punching power, which I give him credit for. He has no chance against Anthony Joshua. He knows it. His team knows it. And guess what? The WBC knows it too because they are trying to help this guy uh, hold on to his belt for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. If I'm a sanctioning body, I want a guy like Anthony Joshua wearing my belt. It's that simple. Deontay Wilder has not proven one thing in the ring. Anthony Joshua has. He beat Klitschko. That's proof enough. And he didn't just win a decision like Tyson Fury did. He didn't just win and squeak out and leave room for argument. He didn't do it. He knocked him out. And he got up off the canvas to do it. You know, Deontay Wilder has not had a signature fight. Not one. And I'm sorry. But for him to criticize Mike Tyson, no. that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Especially coming from a guy who's got nothing to back it up. If, if Deontay Wilder had this ex extended win uh, record against all the top heavyweights, even forget the historical perspective, even if he fought the top heavyweights of today, which he has not done. He has not done it. You know, so I, I mean, come on, come on. You know, I, you know, it, it's it's a joke. It, it's a joke. And, and you're right. You know, uh, George Foreman. You might as well fight Deontay Wilder. You know, because uh, you know, and all of a sudden, uh, Deontay Wilder will give credit to himself for beating a Hall of Famer, just like he took away uh, from Tyson. But uh, anyway, in the middleweight division, Daniel Jacobs. They they officially announced his opponent, uh, which will be taking place uh, on November 11th. Uh, in uh, uh, Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum wow. or whatever they call it now, Luis Arias, 18-0, nine knockouts, uh, will be his opponent uh, for his uh, showcase fight on HBO. Uh, looks good on paper. See, this is what they do, Sal. They find a fighter that looks good on paper, and then uh, all of the non-knowledgeable fans that will be watching, oh, he must be good. He's undefeated, man. He must be good. You know, no, no, he's not good. You know, uh, Luis Arias is a good fighter, but uh, not for Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs has, has elevated his game uh, by the performance he had with uh, Triple G, I think. What do you think? I, I think you're 100% correct, and uh, I'm going to agree with you on that. And I mean, Daniel Jacobs, we said going into that fight that Daniel Jacobs could stand to uh, a lot of uh, coming out of this fight, even if he just looks good. Uh, he could he could definitely improve his position uh, and his marketability and his drawing power. And uh, he fought a tough fight against Triple G. I mean, there was some controversy in the end of who really won. But I'll tell you what, Triple G, I, as I said, I think he pulled it out. But Daniel Jacobs is a bona fide world-class fighter. And he can and will be champ. And uh, I think that... Uh, Daniel Jacobs, like I said, he, uh, he's he got a great career in front of him. No doubt. Uh, Sal, we're going to kick you to the curb for a little bit. We're oh. going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we're scheduled to have my man Larry Hazard with us. Uh, so uh, uh, don't go anyways, will you? Billy C. will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. 
Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And speaking about being with us, joining me right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, uh, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How you doing? Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, I'm all riled up today, Larry, because uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, um, you know, Deontay Wilder, first and foremost, let's start with the Ortiz failing the drug test situation. And, I, you know, from a, from a commission standpoint, I need you to enlighten something for me and uh, the viewers. First and foremost, um, doesn't, does each commission, or, or maybe I'll word it this way, does New Jersey specifically test for PEDs, uh, a certain level of them, or are, are you, do you police them? based on the contract that uh, a fighter might have if they want to conform to VADA testing, etc. Explain how you guys handle the PED situation in Jersey. Well, as a standard rule, we test all of our fighters. Okay, that's, that's a standard procedure. As far as VADA is concerned, if VADA is doing the testing and the fighters have... Um, agreed to be a part of the VADA testing, then we, we let VADA take the lead on, that's usually in these major uh, uh, fights, which, which uh, Wilder and Ortiz would have been. Then we would, we would rely upon VADA to uh, handle that uh, situation. As a matter of fact, just as we speak, I have a letter here from Margaret Goodman, who I think is the head of that VADA organization, uh, dealing with two of the fighters um, that are appearing on that October 21st uh, event that we have here in New Jersey. So that's basically the way it works. Now, so If they agree to that VADA anti-doping program, then we, we let VADA handle it. Of course... We're, we're the oversight commission, but we rely on them and their results, then we take action from that. That's basically it. Well, when, when, if, if they're not involved, and in your case, uh, your commission in New Jersey um, is testing two fighters, where do you, what banned list do you go by? Do you go by the same list that's published for... for uh, VADA, or do you have another one? I mean, how, how does that work? Basically the same list. 
Okay. All right. So, so when a commission decides to take the lead and test for PEDs, they're all testing for the same stuff that VADA is. Yes. Okay. Um, now, Luis Ortiz fails his drug test again, which I found, which uh, kind of, uh, I just couldn't believe it because here's a guy that, you know, initially failed a test, was warned at that time, failed another test, did his time, so to speak, was suspended, etc., and then gets this big fight with Deontay Wilder. And you would think that he knew damn well that uh, that he was going to be tested, and uh, lo and behold, he fails again. Now, since then, there's some discrepancy with the test and what he failed with and was able to show a history of, uh, you know, hypertension, uh, uh, high blood pressure, however you want to look at it, and it was in his uh, uh, meds, uh, and it's now being reviewed by the WBC uh, to let uh, for them to make the final decision on whether they're going to allow the fight or not. Um, what's your thoughts on this particular situation? Uh, and keeping in mind that Ortiz, if he would have known that these materials were in his high blood pressure medicine, which he should have known, he should have reported that before they even took a blood sample. I mean, uh, that that's supposed to be reported to... Uh, the commission or whoever's overseeing it, right? Like, hey, I'm taking this these meds. Well, yes, uh, they absolutely. may, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. so that's, that's all. That's all of, go ahead, go the, ahead, Billy. Well, does all the blame go on Ortiz, or is this a gray area? I mean, what's what, what's your opinion of this failed test from Luis Ortiz? Well, it, you you know, see, that's that's the problem that we we have in boxing. I don't know uh, the protocols for other sports, but. The blame falls on the fighters, the fighters' camp, the fighters' management, okay? We are either, we are either going to... See, see, we always muddy the waters on, on the protocols in boxing. It's always an explanation for everything. You know, you fail the test, okay, uh, you know, uh, he went to a party and it was in the, uh, in the air, or he ate some some brownies, and it was in it. It's always, it's always something. Look, these are the banned substances. If you're taking supplements, you know, I've had guys come in in our regular testing, not with VADA. See, I, I, don't, I don't really buy into that crap. You know, we catch a guy in an event, a banned substance. Now he's got a thousand excuses as to where it came from, it was in his medication. It was in this. It was in that. You know what I mean? So we don't buy into that. Okay? It's your responsibility to check all of that. You're a professional fighter. You know what the rules and regulations are. You know that you've agreed to this protocol. So, you know, you, you're going to just go and take medicines or whatever and then not even reveal it ahead of time. You know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm taking this substance for high blood pressure, you know, this is what it contains, or et cetera, okay? That's all the responsibility of the fighter in his camp. That's the way I see it. That's the way we see it here. Well, with all that said, and, you know, uh, some of the stuff that has been going on with Deontay Wilder, and from a personal basis, I like Deontay Wilder. I, I like... You know what he—he he seems to be a family guy. He seems to be really, um, 
you know, looking out for, for his family, his future, etc. I don't like his antics pounding his chest. I'm the best. I'm the best heavyweight in the world today, blah, blah, blah. Uh, because his record doesn't indicate that. And, you know, he tells people, oh, facts are facts and this and that. And I, and I say to myself, well, you know, uh, the facts are the facts. Look at your own record. I mean, you, you haven't beat anybody. I mean, there's not a name on the resume. You know, I mean, I just went through this whole thing uh, earlier on the show. And um, now he comes out and says, well, uh, I want this guy anyway. I don't care if he's cheating. You know, he's referred to it as that. He says, it's all in the WBC's hands. What's your thoughts on this? Do you think that he sincerely means that? Because I've gotten emails from many uh, of the viewers and listeners that feel it's almost a conspiracy situation with Wilder because, you know, the alleged uh, uh, Alexander Povetkin testing positive, which uh, we find out he didn't. Um, uh, you know, now with this Luis Ortiz, I think there was another fighter along the way. Um, I mean, w what's your thoughts on, on the specific fight that is in jeopardy here between Wilder and uh, Luis Ortiz? I mean, should it go on? Yeah, I think they should let it go on. Right. And and I think he's I think he wants him. I think he feels at this point he needs a real notable legitimate win he does. on his career. He does need it. I yeah. mean, I think he does. Yeah. You know, I mean, he whether, does. whether he thinks he does or not, I don't know, but I definitely think he does. You know, I, I think a win over a guy Luis Ortiz shuts everybody up, including myself. You know, I, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he needs, I mean, I mean, they were saying the same stuff about AJ until he knocked out Klitschko. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's, you know, uh, they realize this guy's the real deal. Deontay Wilder needs a guy. He needs the dance partner. We say it all the time, right? That's, that's what he does. And I, I was talking to Mark Breland um, two weeks ago at the uh, Ring 10 uh, affair, and he told me straight up that they want this guy, and they 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 really think they could beat him. And and Mark, you know, Mark says, "Hey, hey, I'm pounding in this guy's head, and he's got to go back to that jab." I said, "Good, I'm glad to hear that. You know, he's got to go back to the basics, and then um, get away from thinking he can knock everybody out with one shot." But we're gonna we're gonna do it right. He said, "We want this guy," and Mark said, "We need this guy." Okay. We need him. So I, I sincerely believe that, um, you know, that, that they want him, and I think that the fight should go on. I yeah. really do. I, I agree with you. And I think, that, I think that it's for Deontay, when you look at the fight, you know, putting uh, the possibility of PEDs aside, and, and you look, um, and, you know, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz has not fought in a while. He's a kind of a fighter that uh, fights in peaks and valleys, meaning sometimes he looks great, sometimes he looks mediocre at best. And I, I think that Deontay Wilder needs a win over a guy, especially a, a knockout win, you know, over Luis Ortiz. And he's coming at the right time. He's been off for a year. He's 38 years old. You know, not to make those excuses, I'm sure some people will, but I, I feel that Deontay Wilder needs this win. I mean, because the only big name on his resume, I mean, I give him credit for Tor Spitzka, that, that Polish kid. Um, I, I, I thought that was a good win for Deontay. But the only rec, the only uh, name on the record was actually his best performance. And you Stavern. mentioned Mark Breland what, was, was Stavern. No, I thought it was Stavern yeah. because uh, that's when uh, Breland's game plan was actually followed. 
And I yep. don't know if they don't put a game plan in place for some of these other guys that he's supposed to annihilate. Um, you know, I, you know, it just, um, I, I don't know. I, I think he needs to fight. I think, I think that they should be talking to the WBC and saying, hey, you know, uh, let this guy fight him. Because if not, people are going to blame Wilder. What do you think? Well, I, and, and knowing how the sanctioning organizations operate, um, I think that the WBC is going to end up allowing the fight to continue and buying into whatever excuse uh, is given. Um, but uh, as far as um, Mark, uh, as far as Wilder and his performances and game plans, you know, he's just a little hard-headed from what I get. He doesn't listen. You know what I mean? He doesn't listen on the fire. And then he goes and starts trying to do things his own way. But Mark feels very confident that he's got him on the toe now. And, and I believe him, you know, because if he goes back to the basics and uh, does the right things, I think that he really has a great chance of beating Ortiz also. That's my personal opinion. But I, I think that the um, WBC is going to allow the fight to go on. I do believe it. And, you know, I, I often wonder, Billy, with these PE, PEDs, I mean, how much of an impact do you really think PEDs have on a fighter's performance, especially some fighters that really don't have the skills that others have? Do you really think that these – do you think too much is being made over these PEDs in boxing? You know, to, to be honest with you, Larry – I really don't know enough about performance-enhancing drugs, I, I, and I've purposely yeah. tried to keep my distance for that reason. I, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really tough question. You know, does it help guys hit home runs in baseball? Yeah. You know, right. do, does, it, right. does it help guys go from mild-mannered normal human beings in NFL football and turn them into complete animals yeah. on the field? Yeah, it does. You know, um, as far as boxing, you, you would think that because of the nature of the sport and, and you know, it's one-on-one -on -one and, and these guys are risking their lives to begin with, you would think that there's a danger factor in there. But, um, you know, if sometimes they're, they're, they're taking these, uh, you know, people have suggested that this type of uh, the, the type of uh, uh, PEDs that were located uh, in the test from, uh, from, from uh, Ortiz would suggest that he's trying to mask other things. Um, I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, Larry, that they that they had an idea. They said we should have two leagues for boxing, one where everybody doesn't use PEDs and one where they're allowed to use PEDs. And they asked me what I thought. And I said, if they came up with something like that, everybody would watch the PED one because they're, they're waiting to see somebody's head get knocked off. It, 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 I mean, it's terrible. And then to somebody else, uh, my man coach says, uh, uh, well, you know, even the league that has the no PEDs, you'd have fighters trying to cheat and use them. So, I mean, you know, it's it's a tough question. I, you know, um, I, you're always going to have people that are going to try to get an advantage. You know, it used to just be always. over always. meal or exercise. Now they're putting stuff in their bodies. I, I, it's a tough question. But but I, I do think that Deontay Wilder has the tools um, in terms of physical ability, in terms of his height and his arm reach, and, of course, his freakish punching power 
to really yeah. fight the real fights. And I, I for yeah. whatever reason, they're not letting him. Uh, and listening to him, I truly believe that he believes that he is that good. I, I, I think that the people around him don't think so. Uh, and, but, you know, from what your indications that Mark Breland has faith in him, and that goes a long way. Mark Breland knows what he's talking about, you know. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yep. you know, so, uh, you know, I'd like to see him cut loose. You know, it's been my big argument with, with Floyd. You know, I don't think we ever saw the best Floyd Mayweather. And and people, you know, would make an argument that he's the best ever, which I, I think is ridiculous. But he could have been if he if he actually fought. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was uh, reiterating about the Canelo fight. And I said Canelo's inability to hit effectively on the move, which I've said for years, is why he can't be Triple G. And I said only the great ones can are able to do that. And I said, Muhammad Ali did it, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. And the, and the person I was talking to says, well, and Floyd did it too. I said, no, Floyd didn't do it. Floyd never hit effectively on the move. He was a great counterpuncher, great counterpuncher, and, 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 and avoided punches, but he never hit effectively on the move. But that doesn't mean he couldn't. I think Floyd could have. I just think he chose not to, you know? So... Uh, it's a tough one. It's 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 a tough one. Well, getting back to uh, Deontay Wilder, um, what's your thoughts on his recent comments uh, suggesting that Mike Tyson was overrated and that he never fought anyone tough in his career? What, what what's your thoughts on that? Well, here we go again. You know, well, I think those comments are really off the wall, okay? Because if you tell me that that wasn't a tough fight with a guy whose name really doesn't even fly out there. Like, you remember Tyson against uh, Razor Ruddick. That was tough. Tough. Okay. I mean, Razor. when I saw Razor Ruddick get in the ring that day, I had never realized how big he was, the first one, yes. the first fight. And I said, oh, my God. I leaned over to a buddy of mine when I was watching the fight. I go, this guy's back looks like a sheet of plywood. I mean, he was big. You know, I, that's what we don't have today. We don't have that level fighter to really test the, the, the fighters anymore. We, we don't have the Razor Ruddocks, you know? Oh, oh and, and uh, getting back to Tyson, Tyson was a destructive machine, okay? So I, I don't know where those comments are coming from, you know, with Deontay uh, shouting that kind of crap. That's a bunch of BS. Mike Tyson destroyed everything they put in front of him, and he was miraculously guided, as you could see, from fight to fight. You could see um, he may... Now, one thing I, I, I could... I will say about Mike, okay, is that he wasn't the greatest boxer, but he made up for all of that with punching power, okay? So, just pure boxing skills, and I don't, I don't say that he was exceptional in that, but it was his destructive punching power that made up for it. Right. Made him the complete fighter. Well, okay. I, I've said the same thing about Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano had, had no, not, everything he did was wrong. But but his conditioning, his heart, and his punching power 
is what put that's him in right. the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, he, it's like a guy who swings a bat wrong and he can't, you know, he, his stance is wrong. Everything's wrong, but he, every time he hits a, a ball, it goes out of the park. You know, I mean, I, well, you know, you, you leave those well, guys alone, you know? Yeah, I mean, Dr. J didn't have a good outside shot like Michael Jordan, but he was still the greatest going in and underneath and everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hall of Famer. So, you know, you can't, sometimes you can't expect that an athlete, a fighter, or whatever, in this case, to have it all in every category. But if he makes up for what he lacks with his strong points, then, you know, you got to give him credit for that. And Rocky Marciano is a good example of what we're talking about as it relates to Mike Tyson. You know, they weren't the greatest uh, boxers, per se, okay? But they made up for everything with their destructive punching power. And certainly that's a part of the game, and that's what fans come to see. You know, fans like knockouts, man. Fans like fighters who don't sit back. That's one of the big criticisms that the old school boxing fans had against Floyd Mayweather. He just didn't bring that excitement that everyone wanted to see, but you could not discredit him for his abilities and his boxing skills. And, of course, he beat everybody that they put in front of him. He didn't really duck anybody. So it is what it is. And Mike Tyson was the same way. So I think that Deontay is really off the wall with those type of comments. Yeah, well, he's he's just believing the the guys around him. I I think, and you know, Mike Tyson. Uh, well, the, the other the other thing about Mike Tyson, similar to Sonny Liston, you know, when they they had the fear factor. You know, I mean, uh, they they had that going for them. They had fighters that that were scared before the first bell rang. You know, they were they were qu- questioning and second guessing their own abilities before the bell rang, until Mike Tyson lost. To Buster Douglas, then everybody, oh, he's human. And the same thing happened with Sonny Liston. You know, when he finally lost, uh, well, he had uh, losses in his career before, but when Ali beat him, uh, you know, he wasn't that big bad bear anymore, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what happens to fighters. And, and it, you know, it it kind of happened, I think, in a degree, with a small degree with Klitschko. You know, Tyson Fury squeaks out a win. The difference with uh, AJ, uh, Anthony Joshua, beating Klitschko was that he knocked him out, and he got up off the canvas to do it. To me, that goes a long way than just beating up guys you're supposed to knock out, you know? Absolutely. Um, one last question for you, and this one, this one's the, the most important of all, Larry. Um, George Foreman has challenged uh, Steven Seagal to a fight that he wants to put on uh, pay-per-view. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, they, they literally are going to call it the geezers at Caesars. I, didn't they already have that? Wasn't... Who was the geezers? Who was the original geezers at Caesars? Did, uh, no, you know what? Wasn't it supposed to happen, and it never did? A fight between Holmes and Foreman? Was, Wasn't that the the fight that never took place? It was Holmes. I think it was Holmes and Foreman. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. The geezers at Caesars, and it never uh, took place. Now he wants to build yeah. it. The geezers at Caesars. Steven Seagal uh, can fight any way he wants as long as he doesn't bring weapons in the ring. And George Foreman oh. wants to fight him. Sixty-eight years old, George is. And uh, yeah, um, uh, Steven Seagal, sixty-five. Uh, I, I don't know what prompted this. Uh, rumor has it uh, 
some of the comments that Steven Seagal made about uh, uh, the NFL uh, players not uh, standing for the national anthem, which is kind of funny because uh, last year he became a Russian citizen. So who the hell knows about Steven Seagal? Well, here we go with um, with Mayweather McGregor again. Yeah. Know? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's called a circus, you know. Sal. It's, I mean, I mean uh, Larry, I, I was just yelling at Sal before. It's called a circus. You know, uh, that's what it is, man. And these guys are like, wait a minute. They made they made $100 million each? Well, we'll be happy making $10 million each, you know. So, uh, yeah, well, I like George with the grill better, you know. Well, he, at this point, he uh, George with the grill. Uh, that was the smartest business movie ever made. You know, absolutely, so, absolutely. But, but anyway, well, listen, Larry, I appreciate your time, and uh, we're going to keep our eyes. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention: the WBC. Uh, you know what? We had uh, uh, Mr. Suleiman on here not too long ago, and it was a great interview. Uh, he he does sound like he means well. I'll be honest, but they announced officially that they the WBC, has ordered the rematch between Triple G and Canelo. I found that so funny because the two fighters already agreed that they're going to fight again. As a matter of fact, they have the date. They know it's going to be on Cinco de Mayo weekend. And um, the funniest part of it is, didn't Canelo, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he basically say he wants nothing to do with the WBC and that if he did win, he wasn't going to take their title and, and all that stuff? I mean... Uh, am I, I wrong he about did. It? Yeah, he did, right? Didn't he say that? Yes, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So did well, the, so well, Mauricio, Mauricio seems to have a little bit of a habit of of um, taking credit for things that have already taken, you know, have been proposed. Right. You know, he's, you know, he's he runs around taking credit for a lot of innovations in boxing that uh, he had nothing to do with, you know, and. Um, you know, if that's the way, if that's the way he wants, it's what you call reinventing the wheel, isn't it? Wait a minute. You mean Mauricio Suleiman didn't invent the knockout in boxing? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the same guy that wanted to change the Marcus of Kingsbury rules when the guy, you know, when the kid got hit behind the head, the one that's paralyzed. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Mag- he wanted the name. Mag-o? He wanted the name rabbit punching after the kid. He wanted to call that his ruler. I forgot the kid's name, but down in Virginia. You remember that fight? Oh, 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 um, oh I can't think uh, of the guy. I thought you were talking about the Mago Abdulzamov fight, but. Uh, no, no, no. The fight when the kid. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're getting old, Billy. No, um, tell me about it. The, no, I, the fight I know that the, took place down in Virginia. Yeah, um, the guy The guy who was. Uh, he was making. I, I think he he moved from MMA, didn't he? Wasn't he the MMA guy? That that. No, that's not. It's so many of these bizarre situations. But uh, the kid had got hit. It'll when we hang up, then it'll all come to me. I'm sure. Well, it always does. Uh, it always does. Yeah. But anyway, he wanted to. He wanted to. He was advocating now, changing, um, changing the hitting behind the head. He wanted to name it after the fighter, call it his that rule. And uh, I wrote him a letter and told him, you know, that situation that cur- occurred had nothing to do with the rule. We already have a rule that there should be no um, rabbit punches, and that's part of the Marcus of Kingsbury rules. 
What are you going to do now? Take that and name it something else? Well, simply because the kid got hit behind the head? Well, to what, me, that's something that the referee should have addressed through his, you know, through his uh, toolkit of violations, and uh, that would have been it. So I, ju he, I was just going to say the same thing. Isn't that the referee's job to determine that? Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, anyway, Larry, appreciate your time, my man. Look forward to next week, brother. Okay, Billy. All right, have a good one. You too. That's Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard giving us his thoughts, uh, some interesting uh, points uh, about uh, Deontay Wilder. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, this week's blast from the past, Julian Jackson. This is who we'll be talking about today. Uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, one of our longest-running segments is up right now, the Blast from the Past. And this week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And the Title Bout Championship computer game. Download a copy today. Uh, visit our website, www.BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Title Bout ga uh, Championship computer game. And speaking of the Title Bout Championship computer game, uh, we are going to uh, have some trivia questions again beginning next week. And uh, I got a several of those uh, title bout games I want to give away, so uh, start practicing and uh, brushing up on your boxing history. Anyway, today's blast from the past features a uh, former world junior middleweight and middleweight champion, and a guy, if you were following the sport of boxing in the 80s and 90s, uh, this was a guy that uh, you, you kind of got to see a lot of. And, and when I think of him, I think of him as one of the poster child childrens of the sport during the 80s and 90s, uh, Julian Jackson. And joining us right now to tell us all about Julian Jackson is uh, my man Alex Perpali. What's up, brother? Good morning, Bill How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm, uh, my blood pressure was, you know, destroyed this morning between uh, Deontay Wilder's comments about my man, Mike Tyson, uh, then Sal trying to defend Deontay Wilder, which made me sick. Uh, so thankfully, I got the chance to talk to uh, Larry. And now uh, you with my favorite segment, uh, our blast from the past. And we'll be talking about Julian Jackson. Tell us about him. Uh, yeah. And when it comes to, uh, like you said, a poster children, he's a poster children for power. Uh, and when you look at uh, classic highlight reel knockouts, uh, Julian Jackson is right up there. He has one that, um, like that famous Babe Ruth, whether it happened or not, it's a, it's a legend where he supposedly pointed uh, over the, you know, out into the outfield and then cracked a home run. Uh, Buster Drayton uh, pointed where a guy would fall, and that was, I mean, I'm sorry, Julian Jackson did that to Buster Drayton where he... Um, 
does this gesture after cracking him with a shot does a gesture of points where to fall uh and um like he had a choice i mean he was completely unconscious this guy uh power really is what um Puts asses in seats, as they say. But yeah, Julian Alexis Jackson, he was born in the Virgin Islands, um, like another great uh, champion, uh, Emil Griffith. Um, he was born on September 12, 1960. Uh, Julian Alexis Jackson, his uh, nickname was The Hawk, uh, not to be cute, confused with Aaron Pryor. I'm not sure if that was a tribute or not. I, I don't have too much about uh, his childhood. Uh, there wasn't a big boxing scene, despite the fact that Griffith had uh, been from the Virgin Islands. Um, he only had 17 amateur fights, uh, turned pro, and if you notice, uh, he, he, the fights, he, his early fights, if you look at his record, were in Puerto Rico. Uh, they were not in, uh, it wasn't, uh, he fought until, in the Virgin Islands until his fourth fight. Um, but yeah, a lot of early knockouts. That was one thing about him. He just had uh, power. Um, but the thing that, you know, you always, interesting characters, guys who have power. Uh, this is one who is very humble guy, very spiritual guy. He's a Christian. Uh, he talks a lot about faith. He talks about, um, you know, being thankful for uh, the gifts uh, from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But um, he uh, has really, uh, there's nothing, um, uh, that 11th commandment of love one another, um, you don't exactly see it in his uh, highlight reel footage. <laughs> Not when he's inside the ring anyway. And, you know, uh, the funny thing about Julian Jackson, and I meant to, when Larry and I were talking, uh, I, I had a uh, reference that I was going to make um, <laughs> a, a, about uh, Ernie Shavers. And, you know, we were talking about how some, uh, you know, fighters uh, do things wrong and, and they become great, like Rocky Marciano, etc. Well, uh, Ernie Chavez was like that. Um, you know, when he was in the gym, they, they start telling him, oh, you're not throwing your punches right. You're not doing this. You're not doing that until the first guy hit the canvas. And then the, Ernie told me, uh, hey, uh, my coach then turned to me, you know what, uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And that is so similar to Julian Jackson because Julian Jackson, similar to Ernie Chavez, had this freakish knockout punch, which you know obviously was was uh, uh, indicated by his uh, uh, knockout percentage and and the amount of knockouts that he's had throughout his career. But also similar to Ernie Chavez, his weakness was his own chin. Uh, you know where that failed him in all of his losses. Uh, but uh, but he was kind of tall for his uh, uh, for his day. Uh, so he, he he had some boxing ability and he had some pop. Oh, yeah, I, did, I didn't mention his height, 5'11 and a half. Uh, and, yeah, and he fought at junior middleweight and middleweight. Uh, and when it comes to punching power, you know, of course, you think of heavyweights because they could knock a man dead with one shot. Um, this guy uh, is uh, he's definitely he's on everybody's pound-for-pound pound greatest punchers list. You know, I, I think the ring used to do those. I don't know if they still do it now um, or if they've done one recently. But... Um, he, uh, yeah, bone crunching power, uh, had real short punches. And yeah, I, I, you know, it is one of those things. I, I think it was, um, well, who is it? Customato who says that, uh, you're not born with punching power. You're born with a natural aptitude towards punching power. Uh, something like that. I forget. It's a, a little, uh, that, uh, that's a paraphrase, but, um, it's, um, 
it's amazing uh, the the power. But you're right. He uh, it, it was. It's almost like if you live by the sword, die by the sword. To go with a uh, another Christian um, uh, theme here, um, because when he he knocked guys out, and when he lost, it was uh, usually big by big knockouts. Uh, his hall, the two Hall of Famers on his record. Um, he was uh, fought Mike McCallum and was knocked out by Mike McCallum in a shootout, two-round shootout, and uh, kind of a quick stoppage, but he had been hurt. Um, and then uh, when he, um, he beat a Hall of Famer in Terry Norris, and he knocked him out cold, uh, again, a really good fight. Um, he was just a very exciting fighter. He was going to uh, mix it up with you, yeah. And he fought on ABC and then eventually moved to uh, Showtime. He was part of, at, in those days, the uh, HBO package was sort of, um, uh, I can't remember now, I think it was like the main events type guys. Uh, Lou, Lou Duva you always saw uh, there. And um, Showtime had Tyson, they had uh, Julian Jackson, and they had um, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. So a lot of times you'd see pay for views with uh, those three guys on there. I mean, we, we didn't realize, Billy C., at the time that that was such a great era. But um, the 80s really were looking back. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I've said that many times when people ask me, you know, uh, about, oh, the last great era, the 80s. And I, and, I, and I always laugh because if you asked me that in the 80s, I would have laughed then. I would have said, what are you kidding? These guys, these slugs, these fighters, you know, and now you look today and it's like, oh, my God, you know, but... Uh, uh, now, uh, was Injul Beck, uh, Injul Beck uh, the fighter, is he a Hall of Famer? I thought he was a Hall of Famer, too. No, he is not. I, I looked, and uh, no, he isn't. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, they only, those are, I think that's what's one of the things that's probably keeping him out of the Hall of Fame is he doesn't have a lot of names. Gerald McClellan is not in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I think, uh, sadly, as tragic as his whole story is, uh, I think his career was too abbreviated um uh for him to get in there but um that that's he had uh, a great fight with uh, two great fights with um with gerald mcclellan and, and again both uh rock em, sock em fights and uh, McClellan, mcclellan just had his number mcclellan was a, a really he was a sensational fighter he was on a collision course to fight uh roy jones eventually and um when when uh, fortunately uh you know the tragic uh, nigel ben fight took place uh and it was after beating julian jackson that sort of paved the way uh i think that was his next fight let me double check that gerald mcclellan's if he fought yeah uh the next fight he fought uh he beat julian jackson his next fight was nigel ben uh so his next fight was his last you know when you when you look at uh Jackson's uh, record. He fought the similar opposition uh, when he started his career in February of 1981, and he, you know, climbed the ladder, and then he gets his first world title shot. And what I would have thought was premature. I'm critical today with today's fighters that have the almost the identical record of Julian Jackson leading up to uh, his first world title shot against Mike McCallum in uh, 1986, and uh, he was stopped. But after that fight, Alex, 
Um, he fought uh, really uh, the best opposition that was available to him. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, definitely at um, his best was at junior middleweight. Um, you know, in there's a 2014 interview with him, and even at, at that time, uh, he says he's walking around at 163 pounds. So making 154, that was very natural for him. That was the place where he was in his most powerful uh, you know, place uh, against that competition. Uh, that you know, King um, wanted him to move up, and uh, you know, there was more going on in terms of matchups and bigger money fights at middleweight. He uh, he didn't do as well there, but you're right. As um, at junior middleweight, you know, after he beats Terry Norris, he you know takes out Harold Graham. That was a fight actually. He had suffered a that's another incredible knockout um he had suffered a detached retina uh Ju julian jackson and um i guess it had some surgery i'm not sure if it was the same one that sugar Ray leonard had but um the fight was going to be in england and uh they their medical rules forbid a fighter who had had um you know that kind of repair work to his eye uh to to let them fight there uh, so that fight went ended up uh, happening in Spain. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Jackson's record, even slightly before the uh, uh, the um, uh, fight with Terry Norris, I mean, in Jewel Beck, uh, he uh, he beat uh, he beat Buster Drayton as you suggested earlier. Then the Terry Norris fight. Then Harold Graham. You know, then Thomas Tate. I mean, he had some Thomas other fights. Tate was in, another top guy. Yeah, you know, uh, Ron Collins was a once beaten guy. He beat. I mean, these were all top guys. You know, uh, and, and the other thing I want to add about um, Ju uh, Julian Jackson was that he was the. Uh, remember when we always talk about pay per views and the quality of the pay per views? This is the guy you got to see on a pay-per-view as the other fight, you know, like he was one of the guys that were, were you know, you're watching a pay-per-view and oh, by the way, you get to see Julian Jackson, uh, you know, uh, taking on, uh, um, I, I believe uh, when he lost to, uh, uh, to Mike McCallum, that was a, uh, an undercard on a pay-per-view and, you know, fights like that. I mean, that's what we miss today. I think Alex, you know, when we get a pay-per-view, we're really paying, outrageous money for one fight and then we're seeing uh three showcase fights during julian jackson's era you you really could have picked any one of the four fights as the headliner and that's what i loved about pay-per-views back then yeah and even when they weren't um pay-per-views uh when he knocked out uh, terry norris it was on abc tv and it was right after uh, julio cesar chavez um, uh, knocked out Kenny Vice. Um, so you got to, to see two guys on a Saturday after a Sunday afternoon um, in July uh, for free on free TV. That's pretty amazing. And you're right. I mean, uh, I think the uh, I'm, I'm looking for it quickly here. The Gerald McClellan fight. Yeah, the Gerald McClellan fight was on a uh, listen to this uh, Don King pay per view. Gerald McClellan, Julian Jackson, Lennox Lewis versus Tony Tucker, Julio Cesar Chavez versus Terrence Ali, and Hector Camacho versus Eric Podolak. Also, wait, I'm not done. Thomas Tate versus Eddie Hall, 
Meldrick Taylor versus Henry Hughes. Obakar versus Eriberto Valdez. That's a pretty good card. And then one guy, I'm not, this guy doesn't ring a bell. King Ipitan versus Sam Aikens. But yeah, that's uh, one, two, three, four, four, five big names that, um, you know, all on one card. Pretty amazing. Yeah, those days, I miss those days, that's for sure. Um, they don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't. They don't. And and the fans today don't understand how the how the sport is is basically fleecing them. But uh, he did uh, uh, lose uh, the WBC title uh, to uh, Gerald McLennan in 1994. He got another shot and regained it in 1995 against Augustino. Uh, Cardamone, Cardamone, who was uh, an undefeated fighter, who I can't recall. I can't recall this guy at all. Uh, but uh, he regained the title uh, quickly, uh, stopping him in two rounds, uh, only to lose his title uh, to Quincy Taylor um, a, a couple months after that. He did run a string of four wins in a row uh, against uh, you know nondescript uh, opponents to get him yet another uh, shy, shot at a title. Uh, not a, a well-known title, but he did lose via knockout his last two professional fights and then hung him up. And another thing that I love about these guys, when they retire, they retire. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, when he was done, he did not come back. Uh, he, he did say there was something I saw a quote that he feels like a shadow uh, when he uh that he gets some of the enjoyment of the sport in watching uh, his sons uh, box, uh, two of his sons box, and um, Julius Jackson, and um, he uh, he he sticks to the basics, you know, and um, has kept them uh, in shape. And I'm not sure. I didn't uh, check on Julius Jackson's um, record. I'm not sure what he's done lately. But I, th I do remember seeing him on a couple of uh, lately. Uh, la lately, he lost. <laughs> he uh, was, okay, yeah, he, he, he did was, have a loss to Jerry Odom in yeah, he 2016. Was, he had one comeback fight this summer. Um, but uh, yeah, he. You know, it's interesting. I guess he developed a French. Uh, Julius Jackson. Uh, Julian Jackson developed a friendship with Abel Sanchez who uh, it's pretty interesting. You see a very young Abel Sanchez in the corner of Terry Norris, um, and they interview him before it uh, in the ABC um, coverage of that, which is on YouTube. And uh, so Julian Jackson did get a look, and it, I guess his son sparred with tri Triple G. Uh, and in this interview that's up on YouTube, uh, re the 2014 interview, he talks about uh, how, yeah, he did like, um, he enjoys watching Triple G's style because Triple G does things so well. Uh, he's got such incredible balance. Um, but uh, And they do ask him how he thought he would have done, and uh, not too well, quite honestly, <laughs> according to the computer. Well, before you get to that, let me ask you this: What, what, uh, aside from being involved in his son's careers after boxing, you know, especially today, uh, had had uh, Julian Jackson done anything, uh, um, you know, with the sport, or what, what, what was he doing before his sons uh, became pros? 
Uh, as far as I know, I think that was it uh, in, in terms of he helps in their training because uh, they did work some amateur. So I don't know if maybe he helped to build up the uh, program, uh, a, an amateur program in, in the Virgin Islands. I can't. I imagine they must be in uh, very rough shape because the hurricanes uh, hit them very hard. Uh, so I don't know. I looked. He. I don't see him on social media, um, uh, Julian, uh, Jul Julian Jackson. Um, but uh, he um, he has been to Canastota, and uh, he uh, he like I said, he's walking around at one six uh, one sixty three, so he looks in good shape. Uh, he's there with his family. He sounds uh, very good. He doesn't sound uh, you know like all scrambled up like some fighters do. Uh, so um, you know, I think things are going well. I guess he's involved with his children and certainly involved with his church. How did he fare in title bout? Uh, I put him in against the top guys at uh, 154 and 160 because those were the divisions he competed. The top guy at 154 right now is Demetrius Andrade. Uh, the, this was kind of interesting. In their first round, uh, first fight, it was a 12-rounder. Uh, Andrade kind of did most of the dominating until the final round where uh, Jackson dropped him uh, three times. And uh, it ended up being a draw, um, three scores that were all over the place, 116-112 for Andrade, 117-111 for Jackson, and then one even. And uh, in a rematch, uh, Jackson um, scored a third-round knockout, one minute and 36 seconds. When they fight 100 times, Jackson dominates, 89 victories, seven defeats, four draws uh, in and thir eight, 83 knockouts. So of his 89 wins, it's almost always via the KO. Um, and uh, Andrade was able to score two knockouts in his seven wins. When he fights Golovkin, uh, the first time they fight, Golovkin takes him out. Uh, it sounded like a pretty good fight. Um, you know, when you read it, read the what went down, uh, Golovkin ends up, there were no knockdowns until the fourth Golovkin by fourth round KO, two minutes and 12 seconds. When they fight a hundred times, uh, Julius Jackson, Julian Jackson wins 17, loses 81, draws twice, and he scored 16 of uh, those knockouts of the 17 wins. So Triple G, yeah, beat, beat him pretty bad. He wins 81 of 100. Interesting. Um, great job. Oh, as, and, and 65 KOs for Triple G. Um, great job as usual. Julian Jackson, our blast from the past. Uh, he was uh, voted uh, Ring Magazine's number one middleweight in the world in 1992. Uh, he was also uh, uh, voted Ring Magazine's fifth greatest junior. Now, now th this is a great honor. The fifth greatest junior uh, middleweight of all time back in 1994. So he was still uh, active at that point. Uh, also in 2003, uh, well after his career was over, uh, the Ring Magazine uh, ranked him as the 25th greatest puncher of all time. Which, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, which is, uh, which is pretty impressive too. Um, he did uh, uh, his... Uh, uh, nemesis, uh, you know, I always look at some of these greats, and they always have a nemesis, and, and it was Mike McCallum. He lost Mike McCallum twice, 
so uh, I look at him as his nemesis. Nemesis. It was his nemesis. But uh, he was a uh, former ju- world junior middleweight champion and middleweight champ. He had a career record 55 wins, 49 by knockout, giving him an 80% uh, knockout ratio. Of his six losses, he was stopped all six times. So uh, Julian Jackson, our blast from the past today, and like Alex said, uh, was uh, is not in the Hall of Fame yet. But then again, neither is Marlon Starling, and I believe he uh, deserves it. Before we let you go, Alex, um, I'm all jacked up over Deontay Wilder and, and some of his comments, and you know I love Mike Tyson. And, and, and you know I love you too, even though you got the picture of Mike Tyson being knocked out by uh, Kevin McBride uh, right in your uh, office there. But uh, uh, that doesn't change my outlook on, on Mike Tyson. Deontay Wilder needs, in my opinion, he needs the Luis Ortiz fight. I could certainly understand him not wanting to fight a, uh, somebody that they're labeling, labeling as a cheater. But some of the words that come out of Deontay Wilder's mouth, that he's the best heavyweight on the planet, and then uh, recently discrediting Mike Tyson. What's your thoughts on that, his discrediting of Mike Tyson, and, of course, of the f- potential fight with Luis Ortiz, should it happen? Um. I'm a little. I'm not surprised to hear Wilder say that, but I think uh, about about Mike Tyson. But I think he's it's completely groundless. If Anthony Joshua said it, uh, I'd agree with him. Um, but I think that that's just it. Anthony Joshua has too much class to say something like that. Um, Wilder, um, Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah, his uh, early career. There's certainly a lot. It's there's certainly a lot of um, you know dubious opposition there. But you can only I, fight who's available, right? Yeah, but I know. But Billy, see, come on. I mean, in the early days, the Donnie Longs, the uh, Sammy Scaffs. Sammy you know, Scaff was guys, a, Sammy uh, Scaff was a household name, Alex. No, I tell you, that was when I think of Sammy Scaff. I, I always that was one of the most brutal knockouts I ever I ever put <laughs> back into the sport. Oh I oh oh what the Sammy Scaff knockout did? Yeah oh yeah see I, I love Mike Tyson. Um and but that's why I, I love that Kevin McBride KO picture that um Emily Harney got because uh to me it, it was something I never could have seen and and it just showed me that that's one of the things I love about the sport is that Anything could happen, and to think that 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 was that's like seeing Godzilla lying on his back and um, taken out. Uh, so that's why it's just a magnificent picture. It does break my heart because oh, yeah. Mike Tyson is what got me in the sport. But I I can look at his whole career critically, um, and I think I, I don't I don't fault him for some of the guys that the, uh, that coach does. Uh, guys like Tim Witherspoon, Mike Tyson probably would have fought Tim Witherspoon, but remember, Witherspoon got knocked out of the heavyweight tourney uh, when Bonecrusher Smith knocked him out, and then um, Tyson fought Bonecrusher in one of the greatest fights of all time. <laughs> 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 Did you ever want to just survive? Did you ever want to just survive? You know, that's what that's what that was. Bone Cruncher afterwards. I did you ever? Hey, hey, you, Mister Reporter. Did you ever just want to survive? You know, it's like, oh God, oh man. But uh, anyway, but no, I hear you. I hear you. As far as Deontay Wilder, yeah, he has no grounds to say any of this. You know, I hate to say that 
advised that he should go in there against somebody who may or may not be um, taking PEDs. I trust Vada. It is weird that um, two guys that were step-ups uh, for Wilder have both tested positive. Uh, I hope the fight does happen. Um, like I mentioned in the chat room, I was at two fights where we know um, that the one of the combatants was un, uh, under the influence of something. One was the Tony versus Ruiz fight at Madison Square Garden. The other was the Mosley De La Hoya rematch. In both cases, the juiced fighter won. Um, uh, Tony had his stripped. Um, that victory has taken off his record. Mosley, he stuck with it, but if you remember that night, HBO was in the tank for De La Hoya. The punch stats, uh, De La Hoya threw more punches, so Jim Lampley was going crazy about that, of course. Um, but I thought Mosley won that fight. Tony definitely won that fight. He, he could have taken that fight no matter what. Um, but it is a tough thing. I mean... <sighs> It's not like hitting a baseball. You're hitting a guy in the head. I know. And, I know. and if you're um, if you're juiced, uh, yeah, maybe it's not uh, advisable to get in there with a guy who might be juiced. Um, but at the same time, uh, this is their profession, and um, I, I don't know. I hear uh, it's you. It's a tough one. No, I hear you, Alex. I appreciate it, and hopefully, we can get you back on later in the week, brother. All right, Felicity, take care. All right, that's my man Alex Papali doing a great job. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, Sal, Rocky, Senecola will be back with us. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, back with us now. Having a whole lot of fun over there by himself. Uh, I, I'm glad to see that you stay. You stay. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Entertaining. Entertaining myself. Yeah, yeah. You certainly are. You certainly are. But uh, anyway, speaking of entertainment, your boys won last night. The New York Yankees yeah, uh, start off losing game. three to nothing in the first inning. They were down. They bent. They pulled their starting pitcher in the first inning. And they come back to win eight to four. Congratulations to the Yankees. They move forward for the uh, American League uh, uh, playoffs. So uh, yes, uh, your Giants suck, but your Yankees are still alive. We got some emails to read, Sal. First one is from my man Willie, who you can find in our chat room. He says, "Hey Billy, Billy. C, I just wanted to say thanks for uploading your uh, last Billy C uh, event." It was great. It was fantastic to listen to those ex-champions talking. What amazing guys. And it's good to see them happy and enjoying life after their long and hard careers. And now Sal has a belt, too. Did you get a chance to watch it? Did you enjoy it or what? I did. I loved it. It was great. But you cut my speech off. I couldn't get the whole thing. I cut your speech off? Somebody cut my speech off. I, I At least on Facebook. I didn't get to hear the end of my story. 
Um, but the, I don't know. Be, maybe watch it, watch the it Facebook up. version. I think it ran out of time. Like I saw the minutes clicking down, and boom, I got, I got. Well, wa- I got watch cut it up off. on, watch it Talk up on YouTube. Sure I, see about that. Yeah, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think he cut off uh, any speeches. I, uh, you know, unless the, unless something happened with the video. But uh, uh, it was a little hard to watch our last minute video guy uh, roaming around, laughing and chuckling. I was getting dizzy, like Jeremy was saying. But uh, yeah, if you guys missed it, we uploaded it yesterday. Uh, you get to see. Uh, uh, Sal get belted. No, nah, I didn't punch him in, yeah, in public. We, we, be- rap. we, we belted him, and Ray Mercer is funny as hell, and Marlon oh. Starling with a great story, and, of course, uh, the smart one of the group, uh, uh, Bobby Chez. Uh, so if you well, miss those. Smart, you, I think but Bobby likes to, you know, he likes to definitely uh, put himself above with the Menza that he has earned and oh, he's, all that. He must have said. They're, with, they're all smart. Well, all I know is if I, had a, if I had a nickel for every time he mentioned that, I, I, would, I wouldn't have to do this show anymore, that's for sure. But uh, uh, anyway, if you guys missed it, check it out. It's up on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash talking boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. And don't forget. We are planning another one. Uh, we will have some uh, uh, information on when and where uh, very soon. I, uh, we got a bunch of things uh, uh, just waiting for some uh, paperwork on. But uh, anyway, we got some emails here. Sal, this one's from Jesse. Uh, well, we just read Willie's. This next one is from Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal. Uh, yeah, I heard that the uh, Rios-Danny Garcia fight might happen. Rios now will return with uh, Robert Garcia and an interview with Robert. Uh, he mentioned that he loves Rios like a family member, but that affected uh, the boxing relationship. Uh, Rios would not train as hard and wouldn't listen. How do you separate a boxing relationship with a personal, a personal relationship in the sport, Billy C? Uh, Robert mentions he will no longer do that with his fighters. When it's time uh, to work, it's time to work. Uh, Robert said it's okay to laugh and joke and have fun, but when it's time to work, they got to work. You know, it's an interesting question, Sal, because... Uh, traditionally, father-son, which is the most obvious, uh, uh, you know, family-type relationship, a lot of them don't work. And uh, sometimes the father, uh, you know, expects too much from the son, and sometimes he's overprotective. Very few father-son combos have worked. I I would think that in the nature of the sport of boxing, it would be be more difficult to to work uh, when you're related to... uh, uh, the fighter. What, what's your quick thoughts? Well, my quick thoughts. You know, I, uh, I, I hey, my my father was my best friend, and I loved him. But you know, he had a lot of input in my my career, and he was somewhat of a co-manager. And I I, I think a lot of people like uh, uh, avoided him because of uh, maybe not because of uh, he didn't have the the the, the knowledge uh, of the inside of the game of boxing. He pretty much from the onside he he was hard to deal with and and you know we uh we um i think it's it it really depends it's got to be a tampered relationship it's got to be one that has to be as objective as possible uh hey if my son my son wants to be a fighter I, there's nobody else that would i would rather have manage him than myself but uh then again, you know, will I be too close to him? Uh, you want to overprotect him, or do you want to do you want to see what he could do? And you got faith that he's going to be taking taking the shots and everything else. It's a hard balance. It really is. Yeah. I think I think there is a place for a father in his son's relation in, in his career, but I, I think it's got to be very well uh, tampered and, and tested. Yeah, I I, I think I think a father should be part of a team, but maybe should. 
you know, not be in that position uh, because of the fact that he loves his son, you know, or daughter. Absolutely. But, uh, anyway, um, Jesse goes on to say, Billy, I think Wilder Ortiz should not happen and suspend Ortiz because there will be too many complaints uh, from either camp. Commission must suspend Ortiz. But if it does happen, Ortiz should not win the belt and lose a chunk of his money. If not, Ortiz, then Wilder. If not Ortiz, then Wilder should fight Dominic Brasil, Dillian White, or I guess Deverne. I will say it again, Billy. This division is thin and unskilled. Not much interest. Uh, interesting fights to be made. He says, I heard that Matt Remillard will fight Yarley Armenta uh, Cruz. What's your thoughts? Is Cruz too experienced for Matt? And he says, Ulysses uh, uh, will face Steve Claggett. Is that a step up for UVs? Or do you think he should have faced somebody more higher? I like the Claggett-Ulysses fight. Um, Steve Claggett is a tough guy uh, out of Canada. We had him on this show. I like the fight. As far as Matt Remillard, Matt Remillard spent uh, several years in, in, in jail. You know, uh, he, he time is not on his side. He, it's either uh, now's the time. So I, I like that fight. As far as... Your opinion on Ortiz, Jesse, I totally disagree. I, I think the Wilder-Ortiz fight has to happen. It's a fight that Deontay Wilder needs um, uh, more than not having the fight. I, I think that Wilder needs this dance partner. I think Ortiz is at the right time for Wilder, even though we can't use it as an excuse. Um, I think that the fact that there was some question about the PED use um, uh, would neutralize the age. If anybody says, oh, well, you know, the guy was 38 years old. He hadn't fought in a year. That should neutralize that. So if Deontay Wilder steps in the ring with Luis Ortiz and beats him up, uh, I think that it, it should. Uh, you should give Deontay the credit. If Deontay Wilder steps in the ring and Ortiz beats up Wilder and then Wilder uses the PED excuse, to me... That's an issue, and if that's what Jesse is referring to here, he's got a point. What do you think, Sal? Well, I think I think he's got a point. I think, you know, like I said, I I think you and I have a little difference of Deontay Wilder. I think Wilder could beat Ortiz. I think he will beat Ortiz uh, with PEDs or not. Um, um, and I think uh, I think Deontay Wilder does need to have some uh, some big fights in front of him that he could prove. I, I Hey, look, Mark Breland wouldn't be wasting his time if he didn't think he had something under wraps either. And I, I would think that with the tutelage, if, if Wilder does listen, like I said, Bill, I'm not going uh, to understate him. He's got, hey, we always say you got a puncher's chance. This guy's got some, some explosive in his fist. And uh, I think that, you know, it gives him that puncher's chance. It's just a matter of how he could get inside or where he can deliver it from. And uh, so with that puncher's chance, I got to give him a shot against, uh, uh, I, I know you're going to kill me, but uh, uh, everybody. I mean, he, he, he has a shot. He has a chance. There's, there's, I, don't th I think his belief ability of what he can do himself has been the pat on their backs and it's been maybe some false bravado. And I certainly don't like what he says or agree what he says about Mike Tyson or uh, other fighters that he's putting down right now. But uh, I think, you know what, he could give Anthony Joshua a good fight. I know you're going to slap me for that, but I agree. I, I think he could. I wish I could reach in and slap you for that. But I know. But I I know. Do, you know, I was going to open my brother so the fallout I'm going to get for that but, comment. But I, do, but I can't figure it out. I do agree with you. Deontay Wilder certainly has uh, – 
uh, he certainly has a. Uh, <laughs> was it raining in there? It certainly. He certainly yeah. has a uh, puncher's chance against anybody. That that I agree. I do think he needs to fight Ortiz, and Ortiz will uh, be the toughest opponent that he has to date. Now, listen, I have uh, another couple of emails that we won't get to today, but I promise we'll get to them tomorrow. Uh, on this day, October fourth, in boxing history, in nineteen forty. Uh, Fritzy Zivic wins a 15-round decision over the late, great Henry Armstrong uh, to wow. win the world welterweight title. That took place in New York City. On this day in 1991, Maurice Blocker wins a 12-round decision over Glenwood Brown uh, to win the vacant IBF world welterweight title. That took place in Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey. Two uh, uh, names that were uh, very popular in the late 80s and 90s. Excuse me. On this day in 1897, Solly Smith wins a 20-round decision over George Dixon uh, to win the world featherweight title. It took place in San Francisco, California. On this day in 2006, Celestino Caballero knocks out a Somsack seething chucking walking. I am. I am sorry uh, to the family. I, I can't pronounce his name, but he knocked him out. Uh, in the third round uh, to win the uh, WBA Junior Featherweight uh, title, and that took place in Thailand. On this day in 1987, Wilfredo Vasquez knocks out Chan Young Park in the 10th round uh, to win the WBA World Bantamweight title. It took place in uh, Seoul, Korea. And on this day, October 4th, 1940, considered the best pound-for-pound fighter ever, the best ever, Sugar Ray Robinson makes his pro debut with a second-round knockout over Joe Etchevara at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Sugar Ray Robinson would go on uh, to win world titles in multiple divisions and earn countless Boxing Hall of Fame honors. He finished his 25-year boxing career with 173 wins, 100 coming by knockout, 19 losses in which he was only stopped wow. once, and six wow. draws. If anybody doesn't think that Sugar Ray Robinson was the wow. greatest of all time, you don't know boxing. Hey, man, wow. that concludes. That's right. That's all you could say, I, right? That's the wow fact. 108 wow. knockouts. Is is wow. twice as many fights as you know who more than 108 knockouts, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, hey, listen, that concludes our show for today. Uh, but uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Da na 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 na